the first the first thing with this whole immigration topic is we need to be very factual here because there's all sorts of claims of misinformation, disinformation going around. So what AIN2 did is over the last number of weeks, we put in an awful lot. We put in up to 20 questions uh, centered around immigration, just so we could have a clear image of what's going out there. And then we released it all yesterday. And it, as you mentioned, it's a very in-depth, uh, it's a very in-depth reply and response to many of the accusations that are flying in, around in the country. But focusing on Claire, so what we know is, uh, as you mentioned, Claire has 677 international protection um, people residing in the county and we also Claire also has just less than 3,000 Ukrainians um, oh, sorry just uh, sorry 3,700 Ukrainians residing in the county which is just less than 3,000 per head per 100,000 people which is the fourth largest in the country so Claire is definitely taking up it well above its share of uh, uh, people in need of accommodation whether they're traveling from Ukraine or international protection so in fairness to most of the Western Seaboard uh, the Western Seaboard is where an awful lot of people uh, who need somewhere to stay have been put. Now, this has repercussions, as we've discussed. There are a large number, or as we've covered, I'm sure, on the radio for the last while, there's a large number of, of, of small uh, restaurants and local businesses closing down because of lack of tourism. A lot of tourism spaces are being taken up. A lot of hotel beds are being taken up. So this is one of the side effects when you open up your county to people and you give them a good welcome. Sometimes unintended consequences have an impact locally. And unfortunately, we're seeing a bit of anger developing now around the country. And it's something we don't want to see uh, grow and fester and clear. But we have to be cognizant that most people, most counties are doing an excellent job taking their fair share of people in need. But some counties have, ta have taken in far above the national average. And we need now to see a better dispersion of where the people are staying. And Clare is one of those counties that has really taken in large numbers. As you mentioned there about prior consultation and on uh, leading to, uh, I suppose for lack of a better term, hostilities in local communities between maybe the government and local protesters. It's a conversation that could go back and forth all day and there are individual cases, one of which is going on in Ross Grey at, at the moment. But do you think this is a matter now for the government to slow down the flow of international protection, protection applicants and refugees that are coming here? Or is it simply you need an even disbursement of where you're allocating asylum seekers throughout the country? It's a combination of both. So just so people are aware, uh, in 2021, there was around 7,000 international protection uh, residents in Ireland, costing the state just less than 200 million. Uh, 2022, that number had jumped to 19,000 and costing the state 360 million. And according to, uh, these aren't A2 figures at the moment, but according to current reports on the media, there's now up to 25,000 people uh, international protection uh, from the end of 2023. Now, I can't verify those, so, but we do know that there was a, it went from 7,000 to just less, to just over 19,000 from 21 to 22. That's a big increase. So what we are seeing is that um, the government have acknowledged <clears throat> that we need, as a country, we need to reduce pull factors. So uh, in the last couple of weeks, the, uh, the incentives and the allowances passed on to Ukrainians are being reduced. <clears throat> it, it was shown that up to 30% of Ukrainians that came to Ireland had initially applied in a different country and then for whatever reason decided to come to Ireland. So pull factors are definitely a problem. So it, 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 we need to strike a balance. Uh, we need to look at the people that are coming within the number of international protection uh, applicants. There are a large number of genuine people that are really coming from countries where hardship is a problem. 
but there are also uh, large numbers of people coming from countries where there is no war, there is no conflict. We have we have applicants from Albania and Georgia. These are countries that are in the EU application process. So there's clearly a mixing of genuine asylum seekers and economic migrants within the pool of international protection. So what AIN2 would be looking to do is AIN2 would be looking to slow down the number of people coming in. So we need to reduce the pull factors. In the, I heard in the radio this morning, Roger Gorman, the Green Party Minister, is planning to open up more centres. We feel this is more of a pull factor. If you increase the number of centres available, more and more people will come to the country. We saw there only a few days ago that there was 14 people had to be rescued from a refrigeration lorry crossing the Irish Sea because um, they, just got into, they just got into the boat and didn't know where they were going and they now, they now needed uh, somewhere to stay. So if you reduce the pull factors, then it is shown that less people will travel to the country. It will give Ireland a chance to get on top of where we are. We can figure out what's going on and we can make an, a decision as a state or as a government can make a decision of how many people can we accommodate. Where do we need where do we need migrants to come into the country to help us keep our economy going? So there's a lot of things going on there. But what we are doing is what 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 where I'm really angry with the government is the government are conflating genuine asylum seekers with economic migrants, and it's fueling the anger and the protests that we see out there because there are people, there are bad actors who are using these to take hits at the government, but then the government aren't being honest about what's going on. They're they're conflating genuine asylum seekers with economic migrants and pretending that they're all the same, which they're clearly not. And Eric, just very quickly on that one, the government, although many people will feel that it's a late effort, they will argue that they have be- began to do that by reducing uh, the minimum stay period for Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers coming here to three months and stay provided accommodation, uh, to which point if they remain and stay provided accommodation, their weekly allowance will reduce from the current two twenty a week to uh, just over 90 euros per week. Obviously, if they try to source their own accommodation, that will be reinstated to the 220. But they, they will argue from that point that they are reducing the pull factors some some way. What else do you yeah. think are pull factors here? Oh, uh, pull factors here. Um, so the, the accommodation of asylum for as long as you are, the, the offer of, of accommodation for as long as you're in the system. So first, the first thing into we look to do is the speed of decision needs to be picked up. It currently takes around six years for the first decision of an asylum seeker to be taken. And some people, some decisions take up to 10 years. That's the first thing that needs to be done. We also need to greatly increase the, the state's ability to, to process and check the backgrounds of asylum seekers. So at the moment, um, when someone is coming to the country and their fingerprint is taken, up to 30% of those fingerprints aren't processed fast enough to be checked if the, if the applicant has had a criminal conviction in another EU country. We must also use what connections we have nationally and internationally to ensure that when uh, when an asylum seeker comes into the country is, is being their background is being checked. That at the moment we only check if they have committed a crime within the EU. So if that person has a criminal history from outside the EU, we have no way of knowing that. It's important to mention that both of those claims are disputed by the government. Uh, they say that the average time to process an international protection application is two years and that fingerprints are checked against Interpol databases to see if there is a criminal record. We also need to, be, uh, we also need to find out why are 70 76% of people that are applying for asylum in Ireland registering at the, uh, the offices in Dublin. So that means they are actually in the country. They somehow got into the country 
and we don't know how the government is not doing any work to find out how they're getting in. So they could have come into the north of Ireland, they could have overstayed a visa, or they could have been smuggled or trafficked into the country. We don't know whether, how that's happening, but 76% of people that are applying for asylum are doing so not at the ports or the airports like they were before, they're doing so within the country. So clearly our border system isn't quite working properly. We have 5,000 uh, asylum seekers who come into the country annually without valid documents. That is against the Irish law. But those people are not being those people are not being uh, being held to account under Irish law. They're still being left safe. So that's a pull factor that needs to be eliminated. If you come into Ireland without documents or you destroy your documents, then you have broken the law. You shouldn't be left into the country. These are a few little things that we can do to reduce the pull factors. But ultimately, as a country, there is a, there's a level of anger and distrust building up now, and people are no longer afraid as we've seen over the past week between Ballinrobe and Ross Frey and Ross Lair and Carlo, people are no longer afraid to protest against the government actions. And this, I'm afraid, could, could snowball into uh, community, community getting fractured and, and not being welcomed. We've always been a very welcome country. We are very welcoming to all the Ukrainians that are here at the moment. But we need to also be able to say, as a country, we have the right to determine our own borders. 